Hey, welcome to the show. This is Hip Hop Numbers. Proudly independent as always, as is my guest this week. So another story about the beauty of independence. appreciate you coming on i want to hit i want to hit you with some statistics first because that's what i do so i ran some numbers on you and i don't know if people out there know the kind of numbers that you've been putting up so i found 182 songs on soundcloud 1.4 million streams bjz has the most 211,000, 3 million youtube views and i couldn't even go through all the stuff you've got on spotify i only went through your uh, your projects 1.7 million Spotify streams, probably way, way more than that. 178,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, 79,000 followers across the platforms. Those are some pretty impressive numbers, man. Like, how do you feel about that? I, I feel pretty good. Um, not to toot my own horn, but it's about like 20 million streams on Spotify. But, um, Fuck. All right, man. That's, <laughs> I'm glad you got the numbers. That's wild. That's so wild. Yeah, I'm pretty hyped on it, just considering the fact that I'm literally the only one on my team doing this kind of thing. <laughs> like, I don't really have a team, so it's kind of nice. Yeah, I heard in an, in an interview you did, like, I forget where, where it was, but you said that you had someone who was doing a little bit of work for you, but aside from that, you were kind of, like, doing all the promo and doing everything yourself. So, like, is that really hard to do to, to get yourself out there like that? I mean, it, it starts kind of hard, but... As, as it goes on, it's like, it's habitual for me. So as, as you know, like I'm dropping a song a week. I've been doing that for yeah. a long time. So it's kind of like habitual that I'll like prep the song this day. I'll prep the ads for it this day, all the promo and schedule my social media stuff. So it's kind of just habit now. <laughs> Let's talk about when you started from, you know, ideally like you would have started at zero at some point, right? So how mm -hmm. did you get from zero to where you're at now? Because I I think that that's the hardest thing that people really struggle with when they're looking at a blank follow account and they're like, how do I get my music out there? So can you like speak on your process to, to get to the point you're at now from where you were? Sure, yeah. Um, consistency, that's the number one thing. Like Nipsey Hussle said, it's a marathon, not a race. So I've been, I've been doing this since I was like nine years old, but I've been putting out music since I was um, like 14 or 15. So there's like, three or four mixtapes out there that nobody's aware of and during those mixtapes I was still <laughs> releasing a song a week so I guess to get to where I'm at you gotta you gotta just do it every day and like all your life if you like if you can't if you can think about something else throughout the day other than your goal then I'm sorry to say it's probably not for you like this is kind of the only thing I think about it's the only thing I'd want to obtain so if you have that passion and that drive it's kind of inevitable for you to get to where you're at yeah so in an interview i think it was no breaks and you were talking about the song bjz and about oh, yeah. the concept of you know jay-z is obviously at the point where he is because he's worked so hard to get there and a lot of people mm -hmm. want to be at the place he is but they're not willing to put in the hard work you know to get to that point and uh, i think that's really salient because i think certainly the way that i've grown my follower base is just from hard hard work you know six hours a day seven hours a day eight exactly. hours a day like how how do you balance that with like i don't know like are you making enough money off music to 
to live? Do you have to work at the same time? Like, how do you manage to, to give that much energy and time to music? It It's tough. So I, I graduated college last year, but before that, during that time, I was full-time college student working part-time as like a phone salesman and also doing music. So <laughs> during that time period, I was planning my day hour by hour. Like I would work on school from this hour to this hour, music this hour to this hour. Um, sustaining myself though so i i'm pretty much 50 50 with what i'm making at my job i still work a nine to five but i'm part-time um the goal by at least the summer is for me to be able to quit that job and only do music but not for now at least <laughs> is that going to come from just streaming like that revenue or we have to supplement that with like maybe touring or merchandise or something else like is streaming enough to get you by truly it, it it might be it should be at some point because like you see people like russ the anomaly who, who did it by himself he's making bank just off streaming so my point of view is there's no reason he could do it and i couldn't so well you produce a lot of your own stuff yeah and i, I read that you uh you don't actually go to a studio you kind of like do it all in in house does that like keep overheads down does that keep costs down to be honest i've i've never been in like an actual studio so i wouldn't know what the cost of that is it's not really like a cost thing for me to avoid a studio it's more so i'm in my home i get an idea i need a i need a like uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know i need to exercise that idea immediately so i can't think of that and then drive to a studio in two days and then do all that yeah so it's kind of like inspiration happens in the moment and you kind of got to get it down straight away like do you find that your creativity is like that it just kind of hits you or do you have like periods where you're really locked in but then periods where you're like a little bit of writer's block or you can't you're kind of forcing it or does it just come naturally oh there's definitely those periods where like i feel like i'm forcing it but those periods where you're forcing it that's what develops the come naturally kind of thing so like I think I'm like currently in that forcing it kind of phase, but if you force like five songs, the the sixth song that's gonna be like the big banger. Yeah, that's the hard thing, eh? Like you got to get that stuff out even when you're not feeling it. The thing that, because when I read that interview about you doing it all at home, like the production values on your music is crazy. Like it sounds like major label stuff. Like it sounds like it's coming out of studio. Like are you doing your own mixing or have you got someone to help you with that or like what's the deal with that? No, I'm I'm doing everything myself. Everything in <laughs> FL Studio. Never like learned mixing from anyone. It's all just YouTube tutorials, which is cool. <laughs> That's crazy. Does that like add extra like heaps of extra work? Because I don't really know a lot about the mixing and mastering, but I I do know how important it is to uh to creating like a really good final product. Is it is that a huge portion of what you do, or is it not that intense? Working part time, I'm working from like four days a week so I can't work on music so if I'm talking about mixing I spend two off days from work like well first day I'm making beats second day I'm recording and then third day I'm spending that whole day mixing so that whole day mixing I could probably get like four or five songs down but yeah it, it does take a lot of effort <laughs> you can listen back like the quality of the mixing wasn't there but once I started really getting nerdy with it then quality started showing up yeah i mean i couldn't obviously find your first couple of mixtapes i don't know if you took them off Did you take them off soundcloud or take them off spotify no they're still on soundcloud i don't like to talk about them much because they suck but i like to leave them up there for people who like wonder how i got to where i'm at 
Yeah, well, I was wondering about that because I, I, you know, from Seattle and uh, you said that you're in a band and then the kind of the band broke up because you yeah. wanted to push them in a direction that, that maybe they didn't want to go. Like, talk about that. Like, was that a was that a challenging thing to, to kind of strike out on your own? Yeah, that was that was like heartbreaking because I'm, I'm like, that was my best friends I was in a band with. I'm still like best friends with them. But yeah, since, since I was young, this is kind of the only thing I've ever wanted. So like when I started the band, I wasn't aware that my homies, they were just like in it for fun. I thought we were going to be the next Beatles. So <laughs> I was always pushing them to practice more and more. Um, yeah. And then one day they're just like, bro, you're, you're being too pushy. We're just trying to hang out and chill. I was like, well, I'm trying to be the greatest. And from there, we just kind of broke up and what to do from there. I, I didn't know much about production, so I couldn't carry on like making band type music. So all I could do is find tight beats on YouTube and just rap over them. Cause my biggest problem when I was in the band, like writing music is I wanted to say way more, but when you're, when you're making like rock music, you, you have a lot less words you fit into a bar. So that kind of, help me exercise my ideas as well is there a lot of live instrumentation in your production because I, I think i read you said you play guitar but like is it is it kind of like fruity loops just that kind of stuff or do you ever play live on the track no like most of my most of my songs they're they're me playing the guitar on them me playing the bass and then a lot a lot oh, of synthetic cool. stuff but yeah mostly guitar stuff yeah, I mean that well that's we can get into your content if you don't mind because i i personally sure. think like that's that's my favorite part of your music. Like, I think you're incredibly technically proficient. Like, I think you're oh, one of the you. best technicians. But the content is deep. It's affecting. It's clearly impactful. Um, you know, one track you said that you have DMs from people saying that you you save their life. Like, yep. what is what does that feel like to have an actual positive impact on people that you've never even met before just through your music? It feels like I'm I'm doing what I should be doing because. My my main goal with all this is to make those who like feel like outsiders feel like somebody who knows what they've gone through. So when I get DMs with that, it kind of just reassures me that I'm doing what I need to be doing. Do you think that that's more validating than the numbers? Uh, yeah, definitely. The numbers are nice because I'm looking at the numbers so I could just quit work and do this full time. But the main objective is to have people feel something. How so? How close would you say that songs like Brain Dead or I Can't Change, like how close are they to your real life experience? Like are your songs autobiographical? Are you, are you telling your own story or are you kind of telling the story of those people that are around you? Really hard to say. So I would say like it, it all stems from what I'm feeling. Um, but obviously I'm not trying to, like I, I say some pretty raw stuff. So obviously I'm not trying to kill people, but it all stems from a feeling. I'm not... But yeah, I'm not stealing other people's stories. So Generation of Sedation is obviously like a really deep concept album where mm -hmm. I felt like you kind of moved through different substances and different psychological states like attached to the addiction to those things. Like, can you speak a bit on, because I, I personally, that's my favorite album. Like that's the one that I go back to the most and I'm just like, man, this is actually really affecting. Like what inspired you to create that record and do you think it's, you know, why do you think it's relevant right now? Like, what what are you seeing around you that inspired you to create that? So when that record came out, that was about the time where, like, Lil, Lil Pump and Lil Peep, all of them were popping, and I was I was pretty into Lil Peep, so it was, it was kind of weird seeing the effect that that kind of depressing music had on my myself. 
Um, so from there, I kind of just started making Generation of Sedation because I was kind of like confused while I was feeling like this and I wanted to find an answer. But yeah, around that time, it was, was kind of tough because I was young and, you know, experimenting with this and that. So yeah, it's just trials and tribulations. Kind of hard to say. How do you feel about that substance consuming culture within hip hop? Because I did an article and I tracked the uh, the difference in the way that rappers talk about drugs from the you know late seventies, early eighties into obviously the late two thousand and tens, and it was around like the year two thousand that it kind of switched from selling to consuming. Like, do you see it as a negative influence, or do you see it as just telling a story and? you know like kind of yeah not 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 influential but rather just explaining a situation yeah that's a, that's a hard question so i honestly I'll, I'll just say that yeah i definitely see it as a negative influ- influence but it's not to say that i'm not personally speaking on that matter um pretty much anything you say if you if the right kid hears it he's going to be affected by it but yeah it's nothing that we can really control because it's like it's an autobiography. So if a kid watches a horror movie, he's going to be affected by that too. So yeah, really hard to say if I support it or not, because I'm a part of it, but I also kind of hate it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does that, does that impact your creative process? Do you ever like write a lyric and be like, oh man, how's this going to be interpreted? Like, or does it just not come into it? Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I'm definitely always thinking about like, if I say this, what will this person's life look like after I say that but that that's kind of like the battle that I always have because like that that's stifling my own creativity so it it takes a point of like refinement where you got to find the middle line between that kind of stuff where you could say something provocative that you're living while also affecting people yeah I think that's the struggle right like I think you know you really want to be open and honest and raw on a track but at the same time when you recognize that your follower base is you know maybe a bit younger or maybe a bit more impressionable then Mm -hmm. it's it can be kind of hard to know like what do you say like personally for me like I don't have to worry about it because I can just it's it's quite simple for me I'm not I'm not telling my story in that sense but I feel like for artists but the, the the difficult thing is I really gravitate towards artists who talk about things with you know depth and and like the real struggle because that's what i've gone through but at the same time like i could see how that could be influential on others to kind of like lean into it more and and be like okay well it's okay to be like this you know where yeah i can see that that's a struggle man between the two yeah i think i think it's a matter of like how you talk about it if like if you're talking about i love popping pills i love how it makes me feel Mm -hmm. this and that then that that's obviously just like kind of negative but if you're kind of talking about like i took these drugs and this was this was the effect then if you if you're talking about it from a neutral standpoint i think then it it could be looked at as positive but if you're like directly trying to influence people to do that then yeah i'm not for that that's why i quite like danny brown i don't know if you listen to much danny brown but he kind of does both sides like he'll talk about you know the the kind of euphoria that he experiences when he's high but at the same time he'll talk about the morning after and the the kind of devastation mm. little wayne does it a little bit too um but yeah i, sh- I struggle with the artists who just kind of i don't know they're talking about popping zans and everything and i'm like i've been yeah. on xanax and it's such a scary drug it's like oh man that's so it's such a slippery slope you don't want to slide down that yeah definitely agree so 
<laughs> I know that Macklemore is from your hometown. So is Macklemore, <laughs> is Macklemore an influence? Or like who, who influenced you growing up in like in terms of hip hop and in terms of other genres? Like you're in a rock band, Seattle, birthplace of grunge, Nirvana, you know, Pearl Jam. So like what kind of influence did you get when you were younger? So my parents are Armenian, so super foreign. So we had a lot of like weird hero disco stuff going on. So that's where my pop appeal comes from um my dad was super into the classic rock like led zeppelin and stuff like that we also had a lot of bgs going on um as, yeah as far as my like personal influences i i would say started with lincoln park that was like the first band i got into when i was like six years old um from there to eminem from eminem to jay-z and then obviously some kanye in there um and then biggie Pac, a lot of nirvana to be honest that's probably my biggest inspiration right now but yeah those are probably the main ones mtv unplugged by nirvana is like one of the greatest greatest performances (laughs) like i just can't i like i watch it and I, i read the book to know the state he was in when he performed that and his voice and like the whole thing is just like the raw emotion of it is just crazy man and that's personally that's what made me want to actually be a musician because the way that he conveys emotion in that is just it's pained you know yeah for real it's so so raw so natural (laughs) just kind of comes out of nowhere and hits you like a brick wall i don't know how he did it man like that was crazy uh and how did you you know obviously lincoln park was i don't know it was massive for all of us around that time and (laughs) when chester passed away it was it was sad man like uh, that I don't really get affected by like celebrity deaths like that, but Chester, like that one, that one actually like pierced my heart. Like I was actually like crazy sad. It was like I knew someone and he passed away. Like that was awful. It's like one of my goals was to get him on a record at some point, so that was kind of heartbreaking too. Yeah, no, it was really, it was really sad. I think uh, I kind of came out. I mean, it didn't come out of nowhere, but like I think. I felt like when someone yeah. gets to that age and that kind of level of success, I'm hoping that they've kind of got on top of their demons. But to find out that he hadn't, you know, mm-hmm. it was challenging. Um, so, yeah, man, I understand that. You said, uh, obviously, that you are Armenian. And uh, the song 1915-1920, uh, sorry, I'm getting really deep here. You don't have to answer these questions. Uh, you're, you're, good. you're good, you're <laughs> good. You said in an interview that your parents fled the conflict overseas and... Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a struggle right now, right? Like, 1915 was obviously the genocide that was carried out in Turkey uh, under the guise of war, and Turkey's never used that term to describe the events. And you draw parallels in that song between 1915 and what's happening now, especially with Azerbaijan and Turkey intervening again. Like, do you think that music is a way to affect change in these circumstances? And if so, how? Like, how is it going to do it? You got to... You got to strike the flame or strike a match so the flame will start somehow. So my main goal with that song, I really wanted to blow up so I can, in a way, educate a lot of people because they're, (laughs) ask 10 people, nine of them won't know where Armenia is or what Armenia is. So I was just kind of trying to spread the word. So definitely if you, if I've reached the right amount of people, it'll get the right amount of people talking and then (laughs) the right things should happen. Yeah, I mean, you said in the song, like, Fox News and CNN not reporting on it. And I think, like, yeah. a lot of what happens in Western media is just not not reporting on these kind of conflicts at all. And just, like, you know, personally, I had no idea 
about what was going on over there until I heard your song and researched it like literally last night for this interview. Like I wouldn't have even mm. known. And, you know, you speak a little bit about celebrities not or, or using it for clout and, and using atrocities and tragedies for press without actually contributing. I mean, what would you like to see from that? Kind of, kind of tough to say until I'm there. It's definitely like a mission and a goal of mine to help my people. But yeah, I'd, I, I would hope that I dedicate all the time that I can to that. Let's talk about YouTube just quickly because the the, the numbers that you have seem to be on the, the Simpsons ones, the Simpsons videos. <laughs> like, But you have great videos. You actually, when you do your own videos are incredible too, but the numbers are a bit lower. Like, what's the deal with that? Like, is that frustrating? It is, but I, I understand it. So another key element to like how I got to where I'm at was the incorporation of like one idea that somebody's aware of and one idea that is new so i would be i use simpsons a lot i use like a lot of anime so i can target whoever is aware of that brand and then from there hopefully they enjoy the song and continue so i'm sure i would have had like millions of subscribers on youtube if youtube didn't like get crazy with copyright because <laughs> there was a point where i uploaded a video and got a strike upload another one got a strike so now i can't do that <laughs> Oh, for real? So they actually took them down. Now I can only do it on Instagram because they're nice people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, well, Twitter's getting a little bit like that too. Like a lot of big accounts are getting suspended for copyright. Instagram is... Really? Instagram is the Wild West, man. Yeah, a lot of a lot of accounts getting suspended for like posting pictures. Someone got a suspended a couple of weeks ago for posting a picture of Frank Ocean. So it's pretty intense on wow. Twitter right now. I spoke to some people and they're like, yeah, Twitter's kind of like starting to try and crack down on just that kind of copyright material. But I mean, a couple of your uh, your, your Simpsons videos still up, like BJZ still up, Sedation's still up. That's that's good. Yeah, they they didn't take out the old videos, which is weird. I just can't <laughs> upload new ones. So is that, I guess it's nice of them to do. <laughs> does that make it harder like to actually then create? Because obviously, I don't know how to pronounce this song title, Barev Zez? Oh, Barev Zez. Okay, that, I mean, that's my favorite video. Who's the Who's the guy in it? <laughs> Uh, so everyone in that video is my family. So old man, that's my grandpa. Um, the boxer guy, that's my cousin. The ref is my uncle. Um, the boxer guy's coaches, that's my dad and my brother. Oh, that's yeah, sick, man. <laughs> were they, they were all like down to, to jump in and, and help. Did you have to write a script and everything or was it just like a fun time? Yeah, so it wasn't really a script, but I had like a scene by scene kind of thing going. But it's it's so tough to direct a family of people who are like minded like you. So they all think that they know what should be done when I'm trying to direct them. But then kind of tough because they're the adults. So I have to listen to them. So it was it was a whole day. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, the production values on it are really great. Like it looks amazing. Like is that kind of Thank where you, you want to go or is that just a little bit too much effort at this point to, to do consistently? Uh, definitely too much effort to do consistently, but I yeah. I want to do something like way more like that. If I can ever, or when I'll just say when um I can stop releasing a, a track a week, then I'll definitely be upping the production value on everything else. So what do you see foresee with that? Like, is the track a week still that idea of always having content out, and when you get to maybe a critical mass kind of level, you can scale it back? Like, do you see yourself still growing at this point? Yeah, at this point, track a week until. Like you said, you get to that point and then albums. Like I, at this point, I'm not planning an album for a while, but I want to be able to like really 
get down and get conceptual with it. But while I'm making track a week, it's I can't really get in the same frame of mind. So I'm just letting tracks manifest on their own. Yeah, I mean, I love it. Like mango, kiwi, lime, grape. I love the concept behind them. And I feel like that's when you're at your best when you have a because because i think every song tells a story but i think like when you're actually in the album mixtape mode it kind of like unfolds throughout a whole you know 40 minutes 50 minutes and then it's like really i don't know it's really fucking cool in that sense do you think that like do you want to stay independent or is a record label something that you would covet i definitely want to stay independent but i'm not opposed to a record label i would i'd like to do a deal once i have the leverage to actually make a good deal but there's no way i'd sign away everything i have for a couple pennies have you been approached or is this not a thing yet i did like a one song deal with sony in like 2017 for like the worst song i ever made but they they wanted it they gave me like they gave me a thousand dollars for it so oh, that was wow. cool but yeah since then i haven't even been approached what song was it this song called caution okay is it on Spotify? I don't know if I've seen that. Yeah. Did it, it, did it blow it's on up? on Spotify. <laughs> no. <laughs> Got like no views. And they wanted okay. it after I released it, which was weird. They didn't want like BJZ or I don't know, <laughs> no. like Rage or like the ones that got like a million. They just wanted some random song. Yeah, some random song. I was like, okay, I'll take the money, keep the trash. <laughs> Labels are a bit weird like that sometimes though. I've had some interesting interactions with them where they... I don't know, man, they have too much money. Like, it scares me a little bit when they're, like, what they're willing to pay for. And, like, one time I remember I did some work for a label and uh, it was obviously living in Australia and, and, you know, the time difference is crazy. Like, I even messed up the whole thing because I, I didn't let you know that, you know, we're a day ahead. So, it was I like... No idea. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like, I, I get this all the time. It happens all the time. And so, I was speaking to someone at, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon because my payment wasn't going through. It was, like, ridiculous time in the morning over there and i was speaking to one of the major labels and they're just like i said why are you why are you on the phone it's like it's middle of the night over there like, we've got a 24-hour helpline for anyone that we're paying any of our you know uh freelancers i'm like how, wow. do, how do you have the money to have a 24-hour <laughs> helpline to pay freelancers that's crazy so like the money that they have behind them is um it's confronting like how is that scary as an independent artist where you're you're up against algorithms you're up against like money and marketing and everything like is that challenging i i don't really think about that on i do see like dips in my streams when like a huge artist releases something like drake dropped his little ep and i saw my streams go down like crazy because people were listening to that way more than anything else but yeah i, I don't really think about it. like this artist is bigger because of a label and this and that yeah i think it's one of those uh like I don't know. I want to say it's a toxic trait of mine sometimes where I look at things and I'm like, I look at pages and I'm like, yeah, but there's money behind you. You know, it's like, um, there's no money behind me. And then I kind of, I find it difficult because I'm like, you know, my content is great and I truly believe in it. And I feel like it should have hundreds of thousands more followers, but then I have to remember that I'm independent and that, you know, I've never paid for promotion ever. And I'm doing this all by myself. And I think, once you realize that as an independent artist or you know outlet or whatever it just calms you down a little bit and and it makes you see your achievements in a much different light you know i did some some work around independent artists and especially around currency and like when he was on the label for one album his numbers went way the fuck up but then as mm -hmm. soon as he got off the label 
they went way down again. And a lot of people would say, you know, that's not success. He's not successful anymore. You know, he fell off, et cetera, et cetera. But like, he's making so much more money now by himself as an independent artist. And so hmm. I think sometimes it can be a hard conversation to have with yourself, but like you have to realize that independent is so much harder. Like there's so much more self-promotion that has to go into it. Like that's what I find the hardest is the self-promotion part. It would be a lot easier if like we both had teams of people, <laughs> but yeah, when you're independent and just doing it on your own, yeah, it's a lot harder. The thing I find hard about a team, like having people with me is that I work frenetically as well. And, you know, I've had people do images for me. I've had people, you know, run numbers for me very, very occasionally, but I, I work too quickly. And I don't think it's that I work too yep. quickly. It's just that I, I spend all my time on this, you know, and so if I need statistics, like some, some, uh, some images for them tomorrow, I won't get them till next week. So it's like, it's really hard to have people that you're not paying along for the ride because there's not that many people that are going to believe in the vision the way that you believe in your own vision, you know? Definitely agree with that. I, I had like a smallish team a few years ago, but exactly what you said, it's a lot harder to keep people around and invested when you're not paying them. <laughs> That's the thing. You got to get them involved in the vision. You got to you, you have to make them see. And it's you know I'm not that. Like I think I'm a lot of things. And it's just yeah the whole motivator thing. Ugh, I'm not a boss. I'm a worker. Like I, I totally <laughs> understand that feeling. Um. So what's next, man? What's next? Like where where do you want to see yourself in six months, twelve months time? Like is is live performance a thing or is that not really a thing? Live performance has always been a goal, but I've I've never played a show with more than like 30 people in the crowd so it's not really an objective for the moment at least until i can get numbers up in every city and do like a tour but yeah as far as what's coming um new songs every week hopefully that continues to build up so i can quit my job <laughs> um yeah i'm aiming at hopefully like at least like 700,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year, but I'm pretty optimistic. Is that feasible, do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, because I've gone from, well, like 70 to 170 in the past, like, two months, so it's kind of nice. What do you think caused that? Like, why do you think that jump? I think the quality of the music. Like, I, it's easy to blame the world for, like, your lack of success, but I think the music just got a little better recently. Yeah, I think the whole EP thing. Um, I don't know, man. Like, because we spoke about it a while back about like mm -hmm. how to get more eyes on your actual projects, and like I've spoken to a few people that are saying that EPs is going to be the future. Like EPs, six six packs, three packs, four packs are going to be the way that most artists are going to release music now. So, you know, I like it personally, like I think it's cool, but at the same time, I recognize it's not the easiest thing to do to put out, you know, that amount of product that quickly. But I mean, if it's working, like it's working, like you can't, you can't argue with that. And I think a lot of the time you kind of got to do stuff that you're not, maybe not exactly what you want to do, but it's successful so that you can get to a point where you can just do whatever you want to do, you know, like you've kind of got to put that that work in early so that at some point in the future you're like now i can put out albums now i can just do whatever i want to do yeah definitely agree i've been putting out like these eps every week but it it's just the one song that's new like i just re-release the old songs i think those have been definitely helping streams because people will listen to the one and continue on to the two three four five six 
Yeah, I think so. Like uh, bleeds out and it's got, I can't explain, blood is on my hands, just leave me. Like I think, um, oh, that's out I mean, for that's you the already. whole, <laughs> say sorry. It's, it's already out for you. It's not even out for me yet. <laughs> Oh yeah, I got it, man. I got bleed right here in my uh, cool. my, my Spotify. <laughs> oh, cause you put it out at midnight, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's cool though. Yeah, man, we get everything over here early. It's a blessed <laughs> place. It's blessed. <laughs> but yeah, I think like that's the whole idea with my playlist is I want to people to go then to the album, you know, rather than just like okay, here's one song, like go to the album and and listen to it. And I think when there's like three or four or five songs. You just grab songs from anywhere, man. Grab them from 20, 2017, 2018. Just chuck them on there and like that's going to boost your streams. It's all about yeah. gaming it now, I feel like. It's all about the algorithm yeah. and everything. Yeah, you got to have a solid strategy these days. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you jumping on and having a chat. Is there anything you wanted to say? Anything you want to promote before we head off? Follow me on social media and Spotify. <laughs> L-A-L-I-O-N. But no, nah, man, I appreciate it. Really probably been the only like big outlet that's shown any support so like truly thank you for everything you've done no there's no need to thank man like i'm always gonna do that because i really do believe in your music and i think yeah i mean i'm ho i'm hopeful i'm really hopeful i'm really <laughs> hoping that it continues to grow like i'm su i'm surprised that it's not bigger than it is but at the same time like if you say that there's no other big outlets like you fucking did that on your own that's pretty damn cool so i think mm -hmm. that's off the strength of the music so yeah man congratulations i hope it continues thank you man i appreciate talking to you The Beauty of Independence is powered by Charlie Taylor's Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip Hop Numbers. Links to everyone's socials can be found in the description. The Beauty of Independence also lives on Central Source in text form. The link will be in the description. As always, thank you for joining us and stay independent. It's better.